the latest satellite picture of Slow news beyond the headline. The European Union is about to close its largest trade deal in history. The partner is Mercosur, South America's biggest economic bloc. The negotiations have been going on for almost 20 years now, and the impasses and the delays have a lot to do with Mercosur's incapacity to overcome its differences and move forward as the integration process it was created to be. The bloc turns 27 years old next Monday, and tonight, Slow News reporters Ceci Aregi and Mario Braga take a closer look to understand why the customs union formed by Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay and Uruguay have not taken off yet. Egypt, Israel and the Palestinian National Authority. These are the only free trade agreements Mercosur was able to close in almost three decades of existence. This would be a pretty strong sign by itself that there is something wrong with the South American bloc. But that's not all. The share the commerce among its members represent out of their total exports is considered very low. After reaching 23% in 1998, it more than halved in 2002 after big crises hit Brazil and Argentina. Commerce within the, the bloc never recovered. Despite being the fourth largest economic bloc in the world, it ranks only 10th when it comes to economic integration, according to the United Nations Conference for Trade and Development. The intra-bloc trade represents only 13% of the country's total sales abroad as of 2016. But let's start from the beginning. The founding members of Mercosur are Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay and Uruguay. Venezuela was admitted in 2012, but suspended later for not complying with the bloc's rules. Bolivia is in the process of accession and can become a full member next year. Mercosur is the Spanish acronym for Common Market of the South, it was officially founded as a free trade zone in March 1991. In December 1994, the bloc went from being in a relationship to getting married. It officially became a customs union. The bloc, however, is far from being a perfect marriage. At some low points, some argue divorce looks like the only viable solution. The fact is that in 27 years, the bloc never managed to become a common market, as the name suggests. To be honest, it is not even a fully functioning customs union. As Mario already explained, the incapacity to reach free trade deals with major economies and the low level of intra-block trade evidence that. But why hasn't Mercosur taken off? Well, political scientists, economists and diplomats normally blame left-wing governments for moving the bloc from its economic and commercial origins to some sort of ideological club over the past 15 years. Some mention the lack of adherence to its own rules as a key problem. A more structured issue, however, has been mostly neglected, the deep imbalances within the member states. I talked to Guillermo Vaches Galmez, who has served as Uruguay's deputy foreign minister, about this. I asked if the fact that Brazil represents almost 80% of Mercosur's economic power affects the functioning of the bloc. And here is his answer. How can you overcome a national vision when you are dealing with an elephant, a mouse, and two ants? No wonder you're talking about the elephant most of the time. An elephant, a mouse, and two ants. The comparison is no exaggeration. Brazil's gross domestic product is 65 times larger than Paraguay's. It also outnumbers Uruguay's on a ratio of 34 to 1. 
Argentina is the only country in the bloc minimally capable of rivaling the continental neighbor in economic terms, with a GDP that represents one-third of its counterpart. With over 95% of the economic size of the bloc concentrated in both Brazil and Argentina, Mercosur ended up downgraded to a bilateral relation between its two largest countries. That, at least, is how the situation is assessed by Julio Miragaya, former president of the Brazilian Federal Economic Council. The problem is that such asymmetries lead to divergent trade results in their commercial relations. From 2007 to 2017, for example, Brazil was the only country that generated positive results in the intra-bloc trade. That is, it exported more to its partners than imported from them during all the 11 years in question. As Brazil's closer commercial partner, Argentina was the country with the largest deficits. Also, Uruguay had only negative results in the past 11 years. This situation shows that the imbalances have a direct impact on the results of trade among Mercosur's members. It is no overstatement to say that the asymmetries within the bloc also determine its winners and losers. The problem is that these divergent trade results lead to each country trying to either limit its loss or maximize its gain. One way countries have of doing this is adopting protectionist measures. Although Mercosur members have agreed to the free circulation of goods, Brazilian and Argentine authorities have repeatedly resorted to bureaucratic measures to bar the entrance of products from their neighbor country. Researcher Lia Valls from the Brazilian Institute of Economy defines the situation as protectionism of reciprocity and warns that this goes against everything an economic bloc should be about. So you have the two biggest countries in the bloc not playing by the rules and adopting measures to protect their industries. As a consequence, they hurt the economy of their closest partners. Paraguay and Uruguay, as the smaller economies in the group, are the ones who suffer the most. This nurtures a deep sentiment of distrust among the foreign members and its institutions that end up in paralysis when the bloc needs to negotiate trade agreements. A potential solution would be investing large amounts of money to diminish the inequalities between the economies of its members. That is, allow the smaller countries, which rely mostly on agribusiness, to also have a strong industry to support their growth. This is what happens in the European Union, for instance. Just to illustrate, with a 358 billion euros budget for the 2014-2020 period, the cohesion and the European Regional Development Funds are Brussels' weapons of imbalances destruction, so to speak. Mercosur can't count on that. South America's Structure Convergence Fund had only a $1 billion budget for its first tenure from 2007 to 2015. No wonder fighting the inequalities within the bloc members seems to be walking on such a slow pace. When there is great asymmetry and relatively few members in a bloc, it is difficult to move to a supranational scheme. And without supranational bodies that can sanction states, it is very difficult to overcome the national vision. Guillermo Vázquez Galmez just mentioned another factor that prevents Mercosur from taking off, the lack of supranational institutions. In the EU, the European Commission is capable of establishing common ground among its 28 members. The South American bloc has no such thing. There is no organ that can sanction and hold the powerful members accountable when they do not stick to the rules. Despite all these challenges and the underachieving performance over the past 27 years, the deal with the European Union that is about to be closed can represent a major shift in Mercosur's history. This is Guillermo Valles Galmez's point of view on that.
We need to see whether the EU deal works out, because that would give Mercosur a platform of more visibility. And the bloc would say, well then guys, now it's time to make things right from the inside. Because the great advantage of the agreement with the EU could hypothetically be, not only to expand the market for our exports, but above all, that Brazil and the rest of the partners will be embedded in a larger framework, and that will discipline Brazil as well. Another point to be considered is that it took over 60 years for the European Union to reach its current status and level of integration. Mercosur had less than half of that time. As Brazilian researcher and international relations professor Peggy Vesak highlights, 27 years is a little more than one generation and not enough time for deep changes and significant macroeconomic advances to take place. Thank you very much, Ceci and Mario, for this explanation. We don't really hear a lot about this, and I feel like I learned a lot about Mercosur and also how trade blocks work. But now, it's also time for a local perspective, right? Who did you talk to this time? So I interviewed Nicolas Albertoni. He's a Uruguayan researcher at the University of Southern California, and he also wrote a book about Mercosur. We discussed about the challenges and also the possible solutions regarding the trade block. So 27 years after its creation, what is your assessment of the current situation of Mercosur? We are in a crisis in terms of trade and economic political context, but also I think it's relevant to continue thinking in terms of the integration itself, because we know that countries, as countries of Latin America, we need to cooperate and work in, a, in this kind of blocks that we, are, we have but we need more flexibility. And this is the main point when I, I would like to point out in related to, to the current situation, that we are in a crisis in terms of economic and trade context, but also and we could solve this crisis considering more flexibility in the agreement. So can you give me an example that illustrates how the asymmetries and the imbalances within the block affects uh, its performance? Sure. One of the asymmetries we can we can see nowadays is the basically the market of Brazil. If we consider nowadays Brazil, and we we could put Brazil in the in the in the in, as a profile of an industrial economy and even as an agricultural economy. But if we see Uruguay or, or Paraguay, they are clearly more agricultural economies than than could be Brazil or Argentina. This is um, a big a bit complicated when we when we started trade negotiations. Of course, Brazilians and Argentinians will push more for industrial protection than we do, and this is difficult to conclude agreements, you know, with China and many other industrial economies that we have this kind of negotiations south-north, and saying, in other words, that they are pushing for more industrial in access and we are pushing for more agricultural access. So, to have a consensus in our in and our block is difficult basically because our our main sources of the economy is very different. And how do you think that the closure of the deal with the European Union would help to Mercosur's situation? I think it would be very important in terms of the trade relations because when we consider the EU as a destination of basically all the markets in the, in the Mercosur is very important sometimes and more than 10% of our destinations go to the European Union. So in terms of trade relations is very relevant, but I'm not sure that this will solve like the more general problems that we have. You know, we will, after we close the agreements, 
and after we conclude all the negotiations, we will continue facing the same problems, you know, like the asymmetries that we have mentioned. So, in fact, I would say that it would be tricky, you know, for Mercosur, because we will be all be happy that we are concluding, a, of course, a very important trade negotiation, in case we do, but we will continue facing the next week the same problems that we are still facing nowadays. But anyway, I think it would be a good news for international trade in general, you know, because we are we, we can show to the world that we we are trying to work for more market access. Do you think that Mercosur has what it takes to fight its structural imbalances? Is it possible? I think it's possible. Um, we have a very good inter integration project in Latin America to, to as a comparison because we have the Pacific Alliance that's in fact if we see the, the the kind of countries and the kind of country members we can compare with mercosur because we have a, a global player mexico in the pacific alliance and three medium and small economies so but what they did is basically saying okay we want to work and and we want to cooperate but not limiting our freedom for, to negotiate bilateral trade agreements so we have a clear example in Latin America to say, okay, we can cooperate and work and when we are talking about trade negotiation, but we have um, some differences in terms of the, the objectives in the market, so we, have, we need this flexibility. And I think it's, uh, we are in a good um, political context in the world in general, in Latin America, to rethink the structure of our blog. So I think there are some ways and some examples to consider in a new structure for Microsoft. That was Nicolas Albertoni, Uruguayan researcher in the United States, giving his perspective about the current state of Mercosur. Thank you so much, Ceci Aregui and Mario Braga from the Slow News team. They gave us an overview of Mercosur, the South American trade bloc that is turning 27 years old next Monday. Planet Mundus, 